It is just fantastic to be here with you today. We've been in a series called um, Contagious, and we've been thinking about what a, a sort of a contagion of goodness and kindness might do to the world. And we've been exploring what that means for us. And this week I want to talk about forgiveness. What, what, what about forgiveness? Um, I love the C.S. Lewis quote, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Right? I mean, it typically is easier to look at somebody else and say, you know, you really just need to move past that. You really just need to forgive that person. But when it's me, when I'm the one who's been wounded, um, it's not so easy to forgive. And I think the problem is that when you talk about forgiveness, you are automatically talking about a wound, right? The need for forgiveness assumes a wound. It assumes that you've been hurt by somebody, you've been betrayed, you've been gossiped about, you've been excluded, like somebody's done a thing, or maybe it's an, an act of omission that you thought they would be there, you thought that they would support you, you thought that they would have your back, and they didn't, they just sort of split. And so either way, there's been a wound created. There's been some trust broken. And forgiveness means that we're trying to figure out what to do with that. But I, I think it's not as easy as people make it seem. I don't know if you've watched a lot of 30-minute sitcoms. Um, it's sort of the attention span of our society, you know, except for a couple nights of the week, we go about 45 minutes. Those 30-minute sitcoms, something happens, somebody's really mad, and in the end, what happens? Like, they're all good and all fine, and everybody goes back to normal. That's just not how life works. And so, I want to explore what forgiveness might look like, but I want to also explore what it isn't, because I think sometimes we get beat up, and we beat up ourselves because we think about we should be feeling a thing or doing a thing, and we're not feeling it, and we're not doing it, and that just brings more guilt. Uh, I, I want to give a little um, shout out to um, Don Henley of the Eagles, um, but I, I want to give a shout out to Don Henley. Uh, Don, we're friends comes over for barbecues. Um, I think Don Henley had some amazing solo stuff. Anybody like Don Henley's solo? I mean, if you, if you don't like End of the Innocents and Boys of Summer and Heart of the Matter, that is a great, great song. And I, I love some of the lyrics in that song. I, I'm going to sing them for you right now. No, you haven't done anything. I'm going to read them to you right now. Uh, you have not done anything to merit me inflicting you with my singing voice. So here, here's part of the chorus. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter, but I think it's about forgiveness. And that's when you all would go, forgiveness, right? Like that's, that's, that's how the song, that's how the song goes. But I love, the, I love something Don Henley said about that song. He said, it took me 42 years to write that song and five minutes to sing it. it took me 42 years to write the song and it took me five minutes to sing it. Whatever we're talking about when we're talking about forgiveness, we're not talking about something that happens quickly. I mean, you can look at something you've created and say, it took me 42 years to distill that message or to come to that place where I was able to even think about forgiveness. And sometimes we read stuff in the Bible that just makes it seem like we're, we're just so terrible and we've fallen so short because we can't just forgive immediately. Notice this text in Matthew 18. This is a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Uh, then Peter, one of the disciples, said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive as many as seven times? Now, you have to understand that Simon Peter here thinks he's being generous. Should I forgive those rotten, nasty people who've hurt me seven times? And you know he's got to be feeling pretty good. Like he's thinking Jesus is going to give him the old pat on the back for this one. Like, oh, Simon Peter, you are the nicest, most considerate, compassionate human being. Yes, seven times is great. And on the eighth time, you punch him. 
That's not actually what Jesus does. He says, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. How many of you read that before? Anybody have a problem with that? How many of you want to forgive, thank you. How many of you want to forgive the same person 77 times? And like you have it on your wall, all right? One, two, three, four, five, all right. And you're counting down to 77. It seems a little odd. It seems like on the surface of it that Jesus is saying, if somebody says they're sorry and come, come back, you just have to accept it and you just have to take them and everything has to go back to the way it was before and up to 77 times. And on the 78th time, all bets are off and it's, it's WWE Royal Rumble, right? Like that's what's happening. But I think what's really, really interesting is when Jesus speaks in the New Testament, he's actually riffing often on things from the Hebrew scriptures, things that we've missed or forgotten about or never really paid any attention to. And there's a story in chapter four of the book of Genesis, and I think Jesus is riffing on some of this story. So you've probably heard the more well-known part of the story, which is that there were two brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. And there was some jealousy that erupted between them and Cain, invites his brother to go out into the field and then he kills him in the field. Uh, And God says to Cain, you know, where's your brother? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper, right? And if you've got siblings, you've probably said that a time or two, if if you have a brother or sister, am I my brother or sister's keeper? And then God tells Cain, I'm gonna send you away. And Cain says, no, 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 all the other people out there, which is an interesting little note when you, you thought there were four people that existed on the planet. He's like, all those other people, are gonna kill me. And God says to Cain, no, whoever kills Cain will be paid back seven times for what they've done. Whoever kills Cain will be paid back seven times for what they've done. And then we get a bit of the family tree and we get to one of Cain's descendants named Lamech. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Listen to my voice, wives of Lamech. Pay attention to my words. I killed a man for wounding me, a boy for striking me. So Cain will be paid back seven times and Lamech 77 times. It's almost like this episode, this moment in the Gospels is really about something else. It's about Cain who is supposed to get paid back seven times if something happened to him and Lamech 77 times. Right, and here's what Lamech is saying. I killed somebody because they wronged me. And if Cain gets seven times, I get more. Now think about Jesus and, and Peter having this conversation. And Peter says, should I forgive them seven times? The number of Cain's payback. And Jesus enters with 77 times. Here's what I think Jesus is doing. It's really, really brilliant. I think Jesus is unteaching violence. At the core of the Cain story is violence. He kills his brother, and then if anybody kills him, they're going to get it seven times more. And then Lamech, 77 times more, right? It just keeps going. I think Jesus is unteaching violence. I think he's teaching what a ridiculous method that is for trying to get things done in the world. I think he's unteaching escalation, retaliation, right? Because how many of you have ever known anybody who, if they punch you and you punch them back, they say, fair, fair. I punched you, you punched me, let's shake hands. Is that ever how it goes? That's never how it goes. Why, what happens? You, they punch you, you punch them twice, then they punch you three times, and suddenly it is a full-on war, right? And, and this idea that we can somehow 
retaliate our way to peace or that we can somehow retaliate our way to wholeness or that our relationships will somehow get better if we just get rid of all the people who are difficult to be in relationship with. Like that sort of attitude is embedded in our tradition. And Jesus comes along and he's saying, that's not how the world gets put back together. That's not how the world is healed. That's not how things are mended when they're broken. It's not how wounds heal up. Jesus' unteaching violence and, and revenge and the whole escalation that comes with it. If you had an Atari when you were growing up, one of my favorite games was Pong. Anybody else like Pong? Yeah, can I get a witness for Pong, right? <laughs> Amen. And one of the things, you know, you're just back and forth, right? Back and forth, knocking the ball, back and forth. That's all retaliation ends up being. I mean, if you think about all the great conflicts that our world has had, when somebody surrenders, they don't really surrender, they reload, right? They don't really give up, it's not like you can beat them into going, your idea was better. It's, they say, okay, let's take a break and we're gonna reload and come back because violence, retaliation, escalation, none of it actually has the power to heal the world. But forgiveness has the power to bring healing to the world. I think one of the problems is, is that we live with a lot of misconceptions about what forgiveness is and how it works, um, with a lot of forgiveness myths maybe. So I wanna walk through a few of those before jumping into what forgiveness is. First, forgiveness is not condoning what happened. I think one of the things we, we feel when we're being talked to or, or hear, hear about forgiveness is that somehow if I forgive this person, I'm saying what they did to me was okay that I'm letting them off the hook and it seems like it doesn't matter. Forgiveness is not about condoning. And actually for forgiveness to take place, you have to begin to name. You have to begin to name the hurt. You have to begin to name the wound. You have to begin to put words on the feeling. You have to begin to say, this happened and it hurt and I can't move forward without saying it. Right? I think one of the great problems relationally that we have is we tend to want to just sweep everything under the rug. When I was in college, it was my junior, senior year, my first senior year or second, I can't remember, but it was at some point in there. And I had my first apartment. It was a little one bedroom apartment, the living room slash kitchen slash bathroom. And then there was a bedroom slash laundry room slash closet, right? I mean, it's a very, very small apartment. And um, I, one of the things I hated to do, I hated to do laundry. I was really, really bad at doing laundry, intentionally bad at doing laundry. Uh, I'll just tell you how bad it was. On the first day of class, I had to walk from one side of campus to the other. Uh, the year I got my own place, I was washing my own clothes. And I apparently put too much um, detergent in. So it started raining outside and my shorts sudsed up. <laughs> and I know people were going like, Who, who's the guy walking across campus wearing soap? Like, how does that happen? So that's, so I, you know, I just decided I probably shouldn't be doing this. My parents are coming for a visit. Um, I'll just try to hide it all and I'll deal with it after they leave. And I did not think my mom would go in the laundry room. She does not care about what doors are shut. She goes in and everything that had made my apartment a mess before she came in was crammed into one room. It didn't go away. Well, actually she ended up washing them for me, so it did. But had she not intervened, it wouldn't have gone away, right? Because if you just keep stuffing it in a closet, if you keep hiding it, if you keep covering it, it doesn't go away. What happens is you hold it and that wound you feel and that anger you feel, it, it foments and, and it sours. And what begins to happen is we move from being hurt and angry to being resentful and we move from resentment to 
contempt. And contempt is one of the worst possible ways to feel toward another human being. It's sort of like, I don't even, I, I hate you so much that I don't even care. Right? I don't even care enough to hate you anymore. Maybe that's a great way to put contempt. And so condoning and just sweeping it under the rug isn't actually forgiveness. It's actually a really unhealthy way of being in a relationship. Forgiveness isn't about forgetting either. Have you ever been told you should just forgive and forget? How many of you are really good at just forgetting things? Anybody? How many of you have one of those little devices that they had in the Men in Black movie where they just hold it up and they flash it in front of your face and everything's wiped clean? Wouldn't you, sometimes I would love to have one of those because here's the thing. No matter how many times I've tried to forget, there are certain wounds I've experienced in my life that a song, a time of year, a freight, like a smell, it can take me back to that moment just like that. Even if it's 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it doesn't matter. It can take me back to that moment. Forgetting doesn't really seem to be an option. I can forget lots of things. Every time we go to daycare to pick up the kids, I'm trying to remember the passcode to get inside. And so I'm out there just like trying all the numbers. I can forget a lot of things. But that negative thing somebody said to me, that hurtful thing they said, that thing they did, that just tends to be a festering wound. You can't just forget it. There is no magic delete button. So forgiveness isn't about forgetting. Forgiveness isn't even about reconciling. And I think that, that's such an important point. You can forgive somebody without reconciling because reconciliation, first of all, it takes two people, right? You can't reconcile to a person if they aren't even sorry, if they haven't even repented, if they haven't come back to you and expressed their, like you can't reconcile with somebody who doesn't want to reconcile. There are people in our lives that we, we are struggling to forgive them. And part of that struggle is this belief that somehow I've got to be back in relationship with him. I love this quote from uh, Prentice Hemphill. She says, boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. That's good, isn't it? Boundaries aren't unchristian. Boundaries are healthy. When there have been toxic people in your, our lives, that inviting them back in and again and again and again isn't helpful. There's this great line in Proverbs that says a dog returns to its vomit. But there is no command in, in there that tells you you have to wait by the vomit for the dog to return. Right? So there's this idea that, oh, if we have to, no, no, reconciliation is a beautiful thing. It's beautiful when it happens. And, and I think there are lots of situations where it could happen and it doesn't because of whatever reasons people can't get, get through it. But fundamentally, Forgiveness and reconciliation are two steps, not one. And there are some people that if you were to reconcile with them, you would be putting yourself in danger. You would be putting yourself at risk. You'd be putting your mental health at risk, maybe your physical health at risk. There are some people that you need to tell them, please lose my phone number. There are some people you need to say, we need to live in different zip codes and yours can be on the moon. <laughs> maybe not that last part, but you, you get the picture. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. And forgiveness is not bypassing justice. If somebody's done something that there are consequences for, forgiveness is not saying, well, let's just wipe all that out. No, they're there. If there are consequences, there are consequences. Forgiveness isn't about bypassing consequences or justice or whatever needs to take place. I mean, if, forgiveness isn't saying, you know that restraining order? We're going to drop that. right? Because that restraining order is probably in place for a really, really good reason. Um, so forgiveness, I, I think we have all this stuff bound up in what forgiveness is that it actually isn't. And, and here's what I want to say. I want to say three things about what I think forgiveness is. 
First, I think forgiveness is ultimately a choice. It is a choice. It is the thing you choose to begin to do. And I say begin to do, and it'll make more sense in a minute. But forgiveness is ultimately about choosing. I am going to, to try to forgive that person. I'm going to try to forgive those people. It may be a group of people, it may be an entire religion, it may be your next door neighbor, it may be a family, whatever. I'm going to try to enter into the process of forgiveness. And I say that because forgiveness cannot be coerced. You know, when our kids do stuff to each other now, we're like, you say you're sorry, and they'll do it. But there's a certain point in life when that's, it's not that easy, right? You don't just say I'm sorry and give you a kiss on the cheek and everything's good. So forgiveness is ultimately a choice. It can't be coerced, you can't demand somebody into forgiveness. Um, you can't walk up to somebody and say, I demand that you forgive me. It doesn't work that way. Forgiveness is ultimately a choice. It's a person making a choice about what they're doing with their heart, about what they're doing with their pain, about what they're doing with their wounds. Second, forgiveness is a process. It's a journey. I think one of the biggest myths is that you can just forgive somebody on the spot. You ever had one of those moments where there was a big sort of emotional moment and you really felt like you'd forgive that person and everything was great and then you woke up the next day and you were like, I am still mad at them. Anybody had that happen? Like I thought I forgave them, was something wrong with me? I remember uh, talking to a guy who was talking about his sort of experience when he went down front at a church to make some sort of profession of faith and he said that there were all sorts of people in the room he didn't like and he refused to get up from praying until he loved everyone the same. I was like, why are you still not there? Like, it seems like that's a long process because it isn't something you just do. You don't just wake up and decide, today, it's done. No, you make a choice to enter into a journey. And the thing I've found about the people who have wounded me the most in life is that even now, some of them 20-some years later, when I see their name, I see their picture on Facebook somehow because they friended me and I didn't accept it, but I still saw it, when I experienced it, because like, I got boundaries, but when I experienced that, whether it was 20 years ago, right, I, I'm still having to choose on Tuesday. I am going to forgive this person on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, and maybe I don't think about it on Thursday, but maybe on Friday, you, you see what I'm saying? It is a daily decision. It, it is a, maybe not daily, maybe you just think about them in times of the year, but every time that person, those people, that institution, that thing pops up for you, you're making a choice on that, in that moment to not hold your heart closed, but to begin to release. And, and that's the next thing. I think forgiveness is about letting go. Um, and when I wrote that, I had been under the influence of Frozen many times. <laughs> and I think Elsa did a great job with the song. I, I think she was a little wrong, though, because if you listen to the song, which I know very well now, um, she's talking about not feeling and concealing and, and just letting it all go. And that's, when I'm saying let it go, I don't mean you just wake up and go, oh, I'm gonna let that go. Because if, if you could do that, why wouldn't you have already done it? Right? If we could do that, why wouldn't we do it all the time? It's not that easy. But when I say letting go, there's this word that gets translated forgiveness in the New, Testaments, New Testament, and it's the word afiyami. And afiyami, interestingly, is at times used to talk about divorce, but often in the context of the scriptures we read this morning, it's used to talk about sending, to send away is what it literally means. It, it means to release someone or something over which you have control. You send them away. You send it away. When Jesus talks about forgiveness, he's talking about a, a sort of letting go. 
And I think the letting go he means is letting go from the desire to punish them. Here's the thing. I found that life can punish people far better than I can. And and there are people that we are holding grudges against and we have no idea how maybe uh, sad and, and painful their own life experience has been. That doesn't excuse what they've done. But, you know, what it was the saying, hurt people hurt people? People who are generally really well adjusted and having a great time and living a really fulfilling life aren't going around trying to hurt other people. Now, we hurt each other accidentally, right? I mean, that's one thing. But this is a, like, we're talking a monumental sort of thing here. Jesus talks about sending it away. And in the moment it comes up, you choose to send it away. I'm not going to hold this. I'm not going to hold them in prison. I'm not going to hold... Um, thoughts about them in prison. And I think part of what Jesus is talking about too is he's talking about not only sending what they've done away, but it's sending away our desire to make them pay for it. And let's be honest, I think there's a latent rage in most people when they get into a car. Right? Um, There's just something that happens to us where we're mild-mannered, normal people and we get into a car and suddenly we're very angry and willing to do things and gesture things we wouldn't normally do anywhere else. Right? And so something about us, like, have you ever seen somebody, like, drive really fast by you and cut you off and then you get up the road and the police have them pulled over? And you're like... (laughs) Jesus says, let them go. They got pulled over and you didn't, right? When he talks, when he's saying let it go, he's not saying forget it happened, right, you can't forget. He's not saying it doesn't matter, because it does matter. It's now part of your story. Every scar on your body is part of some sort of story, and every scar on your soul is part of some sort of story. He's not saying forget your story, and actually, I think he's talking about bringing healing to those wounds so that you can begin to share your story. Um, I love this quote from Henry Nouwen. To forgive another person from the heart is an act of liberation. We set that person free from the negative bonds that exist between us. We say, I no longer hold your offense against you, but there is more. We also free ourselves from the burden of being the offended one. As long as we do not forgive those who have wounded us, we carry them with us, or worse, pull them as a heavy load. The great temptation is to cling in anger to our enemies and then define ourselves as being offended and wounded by them. Forgiveness, therefore, liberates not only the other, but also ourselves. It is the way to the freedom of the children of God. See, the problem with forgiveness is we're we're continually thinking about the other person and what they did and how they need to pay for it, and we're not thinking about what it's doing to us. We're not thinking about what's happening to our own heart. We're not thinking about how that heart is becoming more calloused how we're putting distance between ourselves and other people, how we're closing ourselves off to new relationships and friendships and community because we're afraid, because what they did, we don't, and we're hardening in our heart. And in so many ways, we are allowing the people that wounded us to wound us again and again and again. And now it says forgiveness is the path of liberation. It's choosing not to hold it against them. It doesn't mean it's choosing to be best buddies with them, but it means I'm no longer going to sit around and think about what could be done to you. When you come to my head, I'm going to immediately go into Elsa mode. And I'm going to begin a process, and every moment that I need to let you go, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let go of my my right to get even. 
When somebody hurts you, you have a right to get even. I'm gonna let go of that right to get even. I'm gonna let go of that right to wish terrible things on you. I'm gonna let go of that right to enjoy it when it happens. And instead, I'm going to hope and pray good things for you. I hope that you become a transformed human being. I hope that at some point you experience something that shows you that how you're treating other people is destructive. I, I'm going to wish those things for you, and I'm going to be set for you. See, that's the thing. That's the mystery. That's the, that's the deal. That, that's sort of like the, the bonus, is that when you begin to let other people go, you begin to become free yourself, because you've been in prison. We've been in prison. We've been a prisoner, in a prison of our own anger and a prison of our own contempt. And when that door flies open, we think, yeah, we're letting them go. No, 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 we're, we're being let go. We no longer define ourselves by them. You know that group of people who kicked us out? We no longer define ourselves by them. We define ourselves as a community of inclusion and love. You see what I'm saying? You, you either define yourself what you're, by what you're against, or you begin to define yourself by what you are for and who you are and you are not your wound. Your wound plays a big part of your story, but it does not define your story. What will define your story is what you do and what I do in response to the wound. And can you imagine a world full of people who are deciding, choosing, on a daily, weekly, however often it needs to happen basis, to enter into a process and journey of forgiveness? Not to just, not to let the other person off the hook, but to let themselves out of prison. My goodness, can you imagine how different the world would be if we really learned and engaged this journey? So, you know, one of the things I know um, after doing sermons for 20-some years is that when you bring stuff like this up, you rip open all sorts of wounds. Uh, And sometimes that's a a moment to allow healing to begin. So um, I want to take a moment and just offer a prayer, and then we're going to have a song. I want to offer a prayer because I, I would guess that there are lots of people in the room who there are people we need to forgive. And maybe, just maybe, that person that's on the top of the list is ourselves. I I love that Jesus said like one of the great, the second greatest command, and Paul, Paul narrows it down to being the greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. Let's be honest though, if we were out loving our neighbors like we love ourselves most of the time, we would be cruel people. And the hardest journey of forgiveness is where we begin to forgive ourselves. Quick survey, how many of you have ever made a mistake and hurt someone? Okay, those of you who didn't raise your hand, we all want to be your best friend because we trust you immediately. (laughs) There's a slow burn on that one, wasn't there? Yeah, just take that to the parking lot with you. Um, Yeah, we need to begin to forgive ourselves. We need to begin to let ourselves go, to let ourselves out of prison. We need to buy into our own belovedness and that... We've wounded people and we've wounded ourselves that we've brought great pain into the world and we also have brought great beauty into the world and one does not cancel out the other. And so whatever that journey looks like for us today, um, I'm not asking you to commit to it tomorrow. I'm not asking for you to commit to it next week. I'm saying, what about today? What if, what if today we took a moment in, in reflection and just did a little inward journey and asked, who, who do I need to forgive? Is it me? Who is it? And then maybe just in this moment today, we begin to make that choice to enter that journey. Let's pray. God, you are mystery. Mystery that is, by definition, 
bigger than our words, bigger than our boxes, and bigger than our concepts, bigger than our statements of faith, bigger than all of it. And we encounter this mystery that's calling us into a more full and whole and free existence. And part of that means dealing with the things we're carrying around that haven't been processed. So today we hold up all the wounds, all the scars, all the pain, all the memories that haunt us and chase us. We invite your presence into them because in you we live, move, and exist. May we begin today the first tiptoe step onto that journey of forgiveness. Maybe just today. And we open ourselves up. We open ourselves to the possibility of healing, of wholeness, and of that wound someday becoming part of our story that demonstrates the power of transformation and the power of goodness and the power of compassion. So may we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that are open. As we reflect in these next few moments, give us wisdom and give us courage. We offer this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. <laughs>